0: To Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Dice Don't Die's Deep Dive. Tonight, we're discussing the recently released Secrets of Magic book. So, Get your grimoire, and your familiar, and let's talk about all things magic. I'm Chad, and tonight, I'm talking with Beth. Hello! David. Hey, everybody. And Sarah. Howdy. Before we get into all things magical, uh, however, let's talk about some union.
1: So this is some old news, as pointed out, Uh, but I still want to touch base on it. As most of you know, or I would hope, a bunch of employees of Piso uh came together and created the uh United Piso Workers Union. Uh this was official um like October 18th, I think. Uh, links in the description. And then I think it was like two or three weeks later, I think it was just two weeks Paizo actually officially recognized the union, which is the first in this industry. Of course, it's not the first union, right? But like for tabletop role playing games, it is. And that's kind of cool.
2: Definitely agree.
1: Yeah, it's, it's super awesome. I can't wait uh, to see sort of what collaborations uh, come out. Uh, Paizo has agreed um, that there needs to be some more transparency about things, which is obviously great. So it was officially recognized on October 21st. The official announcement was just a week before that. So it was just a week. And that's really, really great. Now, I do want to say a couple of things. One, there's not like they had much of a choice, right? Like it was either that, either recognize the union or fight it and it be very costly on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the union obviously doesn't have any money, but it's not like Paizo's rolling in the dough either. That's part of the problem. So, you know, that's, that is something to recognize. And then also, we still haven't gotten pretty much anything about Sarah Marie's firing. Like, and I don't think we ever will. And that was a big sticking point for a lot of people. You're just going to up and fire this person. You're. It's an at-will state. Hopefully this helps. So that nobody else has to go, go through what she had to go through. Right? Like, just being told, you're pushing too much. See ya. Right? Like, that stinks. Nobody wants to be told that. So, yeah. There is, uh, in the description I'm going to link... There is a red bubble page where you can get merch for the union. And obviously that's gonna help fund their efforts to get the union started and up and going. Plus, their design is really good. It's of a cobalt hand with an axe. Yes. And it's just it's just great. It's just really, really great. Anything else you guys wanna say? We we talked a lot in a previous episode about the stuff that sort of went down recently with Paizo. I think this is a a good step in the right direction. The last thing I want to say on this is don't go to the forums right now. Holy moly.
2: I feel like that's just a good choice all the time. Just never go to the forums.
1: No, The, the forums can be fun and, and have a lot of good information, but Holy crap. The misinformation about uh, unions on there was unreal. Just absolutely unreal. Some of the misinformation that was on there.
0: Everything on the internet is true. Come on, Beth. Haven't we learned that by now?
1: Uh, Chad, I hate to break it to you. Really hate to break it to you, but Bing is wrong. (gasps) Oh,
2: Blasphemy.
1: And uh, Apple Maps will take you to the ocean.
2: Well, yeah, okay, maybe. Listen, that's our ancestral home, okay?
1: Fair.
3: <laughs> <laughs> a- Apple Maps just knows where in your heart we you really want to go.
1: It's the sea. I can absolutely tell you that is not true. <laughs> but
3: that's a terrifying. All mistake.
1: right. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Any other anything else that you guys want to say about the union uh being recognized or anything like that?
2: Uh I think it's good. I think unions are cool. They are cool. Uh, like a lot of union stuff going on. I don't know if, if anybody else has, has heard about the John Deere union mm-hmm. stuff going on. But uh yeah, unions are, are cool and also good. Uh keep it up more more unions, more unions. please
1: <laughs> actually more unions this is a pro union podcast i hope that's not controversial oh wait. I, I was i was about to say
2: i hope nobody's surprised by this given our views on other things that have happened <laughs> or just like in general like oh uh, wow i i hope nobody's going what i can't i can't listen anymore because this is just this is the one step too far <laughs>
1: Not me saying Oracle suck.
2: Yeah, not me asking if there are cat boys in heaven. Like, I, there's a there's a lot of stuff that we've said on this podcast where if you're drawing the line at unions, bless you for listening this far, really, and please <laughs> enjoy the rest of your life.
4: I'm having yeah, a hard time fair. seeing
2: as cat
0: boys in heaven being a, a controversial topic, though. I'm sorry, I don't get it.
2: You good never for know. you chad you can keep listening oh, to the podcast
1: yay <laughs> <laughs> i did it oh geez one day we'll talk about how many hours i've plugged into final fantasy 14 because of catboys and bunny ladies oh, really? <laughs> let's not talk about that
4: <laughs> i don't know
0: this is a controversial podcast let's get to this this is the topic of the night
3: Speaking of cat boys and bunny ladies, how is Halloween for everybody?
1: That segue, bro. I was
2: muted, but I need you to know that I laughed really hard. I almost spit out my food. (laughs) I felt something pop in my throat
0: from trying not to laugh.
3: (laughs) God, I broke Chad.
2: Like literally,
1: was a literally. It was the best. Like it was very
2: good. Anyway. And then this is where we'll cut in the Halloween audio. You've drastically misread this situation. Okay.
1: I really love that Chad and Sarah got me because if not, I would have just been, been me that. making this weird. Oh yeah, this is like me thinking there was going to be trick or treaters at my house on Saturday night.
3: You didn't have wait, any? Did you get any? Oh wait, no. Sun Sunday though, right? Not on
1: Saturday. Saturday, Sunday, so Saturday night. No, I didn't get any, but you best believe that I was ready. That's not true. I didn't dress up or anything, but Sunday I did. I already posted a picture of Odin's costume. We got about 30 kids, probably not even quite that many. So not mm-hmm. a lot, but enough that I was happy. Uh, and I sat in the living room and watched TV and Odin was upset all night. Like every time somebody would come and knock on the door, he'd grumble. And go look out the window. Like who are these people. And then he would climb up on the couch. And pout. Because mommy was talking to people. And not him. No. But he was a good little angel. With his good little angel wings.
0: We saw that. Very cute.
1: It was very cute. And he he tolerated the costume. All day.
2: Oh, I was wow. very proud
1: of him. You know, it was just like this harness thing.
2: I was laughing because my parents called me at 9.30 Sunday night as they were climbing their way out of the basement, having successfully avoided all of the trick-or-treaters. They turned off their porch light, they turned off the front lights, they went into the basement, they were like, we can't hear anyone!
3: (laughs) You see a bunch of cow chips on the driveway? (laughs)
2: Nice. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, but the thing is, is that they live in, quote, the rich neighborhood, and they said that people come from different counties to trick-or-treat in their neighborhood. All the, all the farm kids will come in and trick-or-treat in their neighborhood because they're the rich neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so I think my dad said that last year somebody was bragging about having, like, 500 trick-or-treaters. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, yeah,
1: <clears throat> not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I have I have a um, co-worker who had, said she had about 600 trick-or-treaters. Uh, but they planned for it. Like, they always get that many, and they have, like, like they encourage that many. She right. showed a picture of, like, this stack of boxes of candy and chips. Also, not even American. Montreal. Ooh. So, it's not even just an American thing.
3: I, I got another solution that maybe your parents can use next year. One candy bar, two sharp sticks.
0: <laughs> what? Yes.
3: The victor to the victor go the spoils.
1: <laughs> Better be a fucking king size candy bar, but then I will stab a bitch.
2: Why we, are when
0: two pointy sticks? You break the stick and the throw kids it are going to fight. The two
3: yeah, the kids are going to fight for the candy bar. Right. No, no, you no, only no. give them one pointy
0: stick. You throw it in between the two and watch them both fight for the pointy oh,
3: stick. Oh, that's right. That's
0: how.
1: Okay. I want a kid to get stabbed.
3: <laughs> okay, I got that one wrong.
1: When I was
2: a kid, there used to be a guy in our neighborhood who would hand out full-sized cans of soda on Halloween.
1: Hmm. My mom would give the kids a choice. They could either have the prepackaged candy stuff, but then my mom made popcorn balls. Have you guys ever had popcorn balls before? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she would make them homemade. But then, like, some parents wouldn't want something homemade because there could be a razor blade in it. I don't fucking know. Yeah. So mom would give them a choice. Yeah. And most kids chose the popcorn ball. I'll tell you that right now. She would run out of those pretty quick. You had to get them before trick-or-treating started. We didn't get any popcorn balls this year. She didn't even make any.
0: Man, well, oh, that was a spooky good topic. All right, let's get on back to some magic. <laughs> Incredible.
1: Ooh, we got new stuff. What?
2: I like that every episode, Beth finds a new way to sound like a goblin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's my
2: favorite thing about.
1: Uh Yeah. Yeah, that's just 100% truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he- here's how we're going to do this. We're actually going to go through secrets of magic, uh, chapter by chapter, and then... At the end, we'll give our sort of uh, overarching thoughts. So, first up, we have... Okay, so, technically, the first chapter is Essentials of Magic. However, you know there's got to be an introduction. So, of course, there is. Uh, But it's pretty brief. There is this like really cool excerpt on like the fourth page about the structure of magic. And there's this really cool diagram that has like sort of segmented out arcane, occult, divine, primal. Yeah, it's it's just really cool. Look at the art. It's it it's uh really interesting how this like, visual representation of these traditions works. It's cool. So, yeah. So, chapter one, uh, we're starting off strong with some really good art. Of course. Would we expect anything less?
2: Sorry If, if we're going to keep talking about the art, do I have to wait until the very end for overall impressions to say that all of this art is for the bisexuals? And the pansexuals, let's not discriminate. Do you want me to save that for the end? Or can I say that now and also later? You can You can do both. <clears throat> all of the art in this book. Extremely good. Extremely pretty. As a bisexual, all I can say, thank you, Paizo. You really... <laughs> you really... Nailed your audience on the that's not a good term of phrase. You really <laughs> hit the mark on this one. <laughs> on the art for this book. You are appealing to everyone. <clears throat> that's all for now.
1: Not even not uh, yeah, that's all for now, because trust me. I have I have more on that later. Good stuff. So chapter one is a very Odd chapter. I would say this definitely. Shows a new direction. For how Paizo is going to be doing. Their. uh, Rule books. Because it is. Mostly narrative. So what you actually. Have. Is a bunch of. Segments from. In-universe books. So you've got like these. Uh, the journeys of spirit and flesh uh you've got a letter from uh javin uh v rest uh which is uh, who talks about uh the occult tradition, which is really really cool uh There is very interesting stuff on page sixteen about essences. Which will be, I think, really cool leading into we just finished the play test for the psychic. Uh, There's some cool stuff that kind of like, you could kind of tell where they were headed in the direction of this. Like, yeah, it's very cool. And then it ends with these like small write-ups on the different, it's called the Eight Arches of Incantation. Um, so it goes over like necromancy transmutation, uh, and what that sort of means, and talks about like what horror cards are for this, which I don't know, I haven't really talked about it much here, but I am obsessed with horror cards. I think I've made you guys do a horror yes. uh, a harrowing like correct what- it was very yeah.
2: cool we were yeah. on a boat.
1: Freaking love it. Uh, so for, for those of you guys who are not aware, it's, it's like tarot, only in it's in-universe. And there are cards that align with the different alignments, right? As well as the stats. So, like, there's charisma cards, there's intelligence cards, there's strength cards. Um, so it's really cool uh, that now there's certain cards that are aligned with... Schools of Magic. So that's really neat. Obviously, some really great artwork, like visualizing spells. It's just honestly a cool piece of fiction with like some world, like lots of world building in it. Towards the end, you have more of like the rules stuff. so you've got some new magical backgrounds, which are cool. And then you also have so, so you have some common ones, and then you've got some rare backgrounds. I really, really love... I think this one's just a regular. the false medium. I love this idea that you're just traveling around uh, clarion as a charlatan. Like, telling people you can talk to the dead, which is a real thing people can do, and you can't. You just gotta have some
2: convincing lies. Like, there, there are only really, like, three things that people ever want to hear. Right. Mm-hmm. One, my worst enemy has died. Are they in hell? Yes. My grandmother died. Is she in hell? No. Unless you hated her, and then the answer is yes.
1: Yeah. Depends on the grandma.
2: Right. Depends on the grandma. Like, sometimes your grandma could be terrible and, like, voted for Ronald Reagan, and then you're like, yeah, no, (laughs) she deserves it. And then the third question is, hey, that person I liked died before I could tell them that I liked them do they like me? And the answer is always, of course, but also they're dead and you got to get over it. Right. And those are the three things that anyone ever wants to ask the dead. Also, Hey, where did you bury all that money?
3: Of course they liked you and they said, it's okay. You need to move on. You
2: got it. You got to move on, dude. It's been like 12 years. Also,
3: uh, false medium. That's totally just several episodes of Psych. Several.
2: Isn't that all the episodes of Psych?
3: Well, but specifically, false like tricking people into talk like thinking that they can talk to the dead as a side hustle for some extra money. Oh, okay. And and then it links into one of the murder cases that they're going on. Right,
1: right, right, right. Okay, okay. So the question is, the main character in Psych, the guy who's pretending I can't remember his name now, of course you'll know. Sean Spencer. There you go. Did he take an intelligence boost or a charisma boost?
3: Oh, charisma. Definitely. Mm -hmm.
2: Definitely.
1: See, I think most people would.
3: Burton Guster, partner in crime, the straight man. He's the guy who has the intelligence boost.
1: But they both took that background.
3: Oh no, not. <laughs> he's into pharmaceutical sales, so yeah, I'd have to see what kind of he's he's like he's like traveling sales in background. You're gonna nice. get me back into the show, don't you? one of these days.
1: <laughs> I like I like in the rare one how there's a chosen one <laughs> background. Of course, there is. What were you going to say, David?
3: I, I was just going to say that um, the first part of this chapter where they had the like four letters from somebody that had first one I think was talking about arcane but like one of each of the four traditions like that stuff, that kind of deep lore into these are the weird machinations, behind how magic works. That is what I'm all about. I I I love reading about that kind of stuff. Um, I like I I read several different series um, by uh Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Uh, they did like a whole series of stuff um that was basically just D and D called Dragonlance. But they also made several of their own little worlds that like, each one had their own little sort of, like, mechanic for how either, you know, the gods functioned or magic functioned or something. This It's good stuff. I recommend it.
1: So, the thing that you probably liked most in this chapter is probably the thing that I liked the least. The letters are very cool, don't get me wrong. I found them intensely hard to read. So I always buy these books on PDF. Uh, I find that I have glasses and kind of average to poor eyesight, so I like to be able to zoom in and stuff. But I was having trouble reading these like handwritten bits, and like, even if you look at the very first letter, which is it looks like it's typed type print, page eight. Everything is so smushed and like small, it's really hard to read. And so I I bought a copy in person. I was like, I really want to give this book like a good shake. This is really cool premise. But I find it really hard to read. And especially so in person. It's actually worse in person. (laughs)
3: This (laughs) first this first one that you're talking about, it, it looks like they tried to mimic like a like a crummy old typewriter like some of the some of the letters are like off center or higher or lower than the other ones that are around it whatever. Mhm. Are you typewriters a thing yeah. in Galaria?
1: I think Probably so. Magic writing. Okay. It's the letter that I think oh no. The letter is the second worst. So pages 12 and 13 are just very tiny and they're it's a font, but it's a handwritten style font, and like my mm-hmm. dyslexia is like, nope. Um, although the very next page is fine, and it's also a handwritten font. It's just a little bit bigger and not quite as swirly, and so I find it easier to read.
3: So, so like, I, I, I can see what they were trying to do with each one of the four of these sort of representing, like, the... the Types of magic as well, because that that one that that you have trouble reading is from the occult one, which mm-hmm. you know you you go to you know artistic bards or like um, I don't know s- some sort of evil witch super devoted to some evil god or whatever, but you know they're they're gonna they they'll just have this weird like scrunched up handwriting or something i don't know how that point makes sense
1: <laughs> no it does it absolutely does like this idea of like writing stuff down fervently is you're you're researching something maybe you shouldn't be yeah right yeah no no totally get it like the very first line right the esoteric the unknown mm-hmm. the forbidden yeah no no the font absolutely fits that like Spoopy vibe, where the very next section, which I had much easier time reading, was the primal, right? And yeah. it is very practiced and and deliberate, which you know kind of makes sense. Yeah. So I i do understand that for sure. And it gives off major vibes. Like the this whole chapter is just a total vibe. Because like all around is like these, this very intricate, I don't even know how to describe it, just this intricate border all around that has like swirls and swooshes and um, like cups and vials. And there's a lot going on, Mm -hmm. (laughs) on every page. And of course, in every single corner, of the left-hand page is a miniaturized picture of the front cover. And, like, <laughs> it's just one more thing on the, on the overall overwhelming page. It's a lot to look at. The absolute worst for me is the section on essences, which is supposed to be, like, a textbook that somebody has written in. So, like, the person writing it is marquess but it's this is french so i'm butchering it but mar marqua probably
2: Ma- i think it's marquis yeah it's marquis
1: marquis there you go and then it's edited by lazaril of new thessalon so like everything written by lazaril i cannot read <laughs> pdf or physical book It is in red font on brown paper, written tiny and not great handwriting. I'm judging you. Some real,
2: like, Half-Blood Prince vibes.
1: Yeah, which is probably what they were going for, which is cool. But, like, people like me, where it takes me just so much more time to read than it does, say, the average person... Like, it doesn't do me favors, let me tell you that right now.
2: Well, I would love, right, if they had, like, alt text or, like, you know, like, and I know that it it takes money and time to put out more than one version, but, like, just to make a more accessible version, even if it's just, like, an appendix, right, mm-hmm. where you're like, hey, you know, like, we have all of these things sort of for the vibes, but, like, if you've got a learning disability of some sort, or, you know.
1: Vision impaired.
2: Yeah, vision impaired. Like, we have an appendix where everything is large and also easy to read.
1: Yeah. In fairness, there are PDF tools that do this, right? Uh, Like, third-party tools. And there's Archives of Nethis. And I can also copy and paste the text from PDF into a reader so that it will read it to me. It doesn't make much sense 90% of the time. I've never gotten that function to really work with gaming guides. I've tried. Mm -hmm. Because you're talking to a lover of audiobooks. Like, I'll listen to audiobooks so much. But, like, it doesn't really work for guides like this. Mm -hmm. So, But there definitely are some tools you can use, but yeah it is a lot and you're right There, there's definitely some things that we could do to, to make it a little bit easier but it is cool so I can't fault it too much sometimes you do have to pick form over function right mm-hmm. just sometimes next up we have uh, chapter 2 which is the classes but actually not gonna talk about it nope No, we will come back. The only thing that I want to talk about, because, of course, we're going to do full episodes on both the Magus and the Summoner. The only thing that I wanted to talk about, page 33 has a quick summary of the classes. Now, that isn't new. Um, That started all the way back in the player's guide, actually, where they would give this, they would have the class icon and then would have a short paragraph about it. However, what they've added for this book, and I couldn't, I looked at previous books, and I don't, I think this is the first time they've done it, but they have a short paragraph about the iconic as well. Ooh. It's very neat. Um, And so that's just on the the first page of the chapter. So it's got, like I said, there's uh, the class icon, which are really cool. All of the class icons for second edition, have been really awesome. And then the uh, the icons, they have iconics. They've got, like, a little picture and then just a short paragraph. It's really cool. How many times am I going to say it's really cool?
2: You can say it, like, at least three more times,
1: I think. Uh, I will probably say it more than that. <laughs> Additionally, the sidebars throughout this whole freaking book are really cool, and there's a lot of them. Um, And, I mean, that starts even in the first chapter, but they really start giving some interesting sidebars in the um, uh, classes chapter. Uh, We'll talk about them when we do the class review, but they've got samples now. So, like, on page 44, you can see a sample magus called the Arcane Scrapper, and I am living for her outfit. Back to the art.
2: The art is for the bisexuals.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh that's what that's what we needed. And then obviously you have the summoner art. Um, and she's <laughs> just absolutely adorable. She's so cute. I just want her to be my friend. I think it's pronounced Ija. And I like, I just love her. And her little fairy dragon that's bigger than her. Like I said. They will get full episodes on themselves. So let's talk the freaking biggest chapter, I think, of the book uh, spells. Spell, spell, spell,
3: spells, 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 spells.
2: David's just been like waiting for, like a kid on Christmas to talk about spells. I had not noticed
1: the introduction art on page uh, 78, I imagine David making that face that Illy's making. Uh, Leany, not Illy. Leany.
3: The, the yeah, Jewett yeah. iconic? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: Convermed. We just need to get
1: you a good green lipstick. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, honestly, the spell section is... One of the reasons why I was excited about this book, uh, plus the next uh, chapter, main reasons. Um, So let's start and just, I want you guys, if there were any specific spells you wanted to talk about, I want to talk about cantrips first, and then Mm -hmm. we can go into regular spells, focus spells, and rituals. So the cantrips are great, right? However <laughs> I want to talk about two. Well
3: are are that we doing are we doing bad. good are we doing good or bad first?
1: Okay, let's 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 be fair okay. and do good first.
3: Okay. Uh I I like um that there is now a another option for a damage cantrip for divine casters.
1: Oh versus um divine lance
3: well, before it was divine lance or it was chill touch, which we all know chill touch doesn't do a damn thing against undead nope nothing well, and nothing what's the at problem
1: all. with uh divine lance
3: and divine lance uh it's what is it it's alignment damage so correct your your deity has to be. Good, evil, lawful, or chaotic aligned. And if not, if it's neutral, like Gozra, like uh, my gnome cleric is, she can't even cast it.
1: And this is in a a new game. Yes. uh, That David just joined.
2: Or, if your deity is Nethis, like my cleric is, Mm -hmm. also can't do that.
3: So what's what's the point? What are you supposed to do? Well, now you can cast Haunting Him.
1: Which is a vibe.
2: mm Mm-hmm. Listen, any time that I can creep out the enemy by singing at them, I will take it. You echo
3: a jarring hymn that only creatures in the area can hear. It's a 15-foot cone, which is like, area damage from a cantrip? Yes, I'll take it. Uh, it only does your spellcasting ability modifier at the first level, which, and, and it's based on a fort save, so it's like, really, you might only do one or two damage. But still, it's an option that you didn't have before.
1: Well, and heightening it increases it to, uh, by a d6.
3: That's true. Every uh, it,
1: heightened level. Or every uh, it, two levels,
3: I mean. Yep, every two levels. Uh That's so not too bad. yeah.
1: And you can d- pr- you can deafen people.
3: Yep. Uh crit you deafen something like that probably.
1: Yep. Man. Crit, if they crit fail the save.
2: Yep. Really really belting from the diaphragm there like really projecting. <laughs> you got to admire the the technique if nothing else. Oh for sure. Uh, and,
1: I'm I'm just really liking the combo. So this is a divine occult spell, which mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. Like I just love that.
3: Yeah, I, I and I you know I I picture it differently, you know, depending on what you're doing. So for a divine, it it you know it it's just like this choir deafening you, but for the occult, you know, it's just some you know ethereal scream that you only your brain hears. Your ears don't even hear it, just your brain. Some weird stuff like that. Incredible. This may be more than primal, but I know it's on the primal spell list. They got a couple neat ones. Uh, Scatter Scree, which is basically the same kind of deal as the ghost ghostly the haunting hymn we just did, but it's you throw rocks at people in an area. And then they got yes. uh, one that's called Spout which is just like, oh, you make some water pop out of the ground underneath somebody. Pretty
2: cool. Surprise!
3: Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, you had electricity and fire and cold from the frost. So now you have earth and you have water. And then there's another one on there that it's uh, called Gale Blast, which is just an emanation of wind. So, you're, getting, you're really just working your way to making an avatar character here.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: Good. Sometimes it be like that. Can you tell that I'm into these cantrips? <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: Which is good, because there, there is a lot of really good ones. Thematic ones that I mm-hmm. really like. That do these unique things. Um, I really like Wash Your Luck. One, I like it as a GM. So, you can cancel out a misfortune effect, which means that you can apply a fortune effect, right? So, like fortune effects, fortune and misfortune, we've uh, talked about it a little bit. Uh, There's a couple of different ways that you can do that. Uh, There's like halfling luck, but the big one is hero points, right? Those are. Uh, fortune effects. Misfortune effects are things like curse. There is some things that witches can do to curse. There's uh, actually equipment. So, like uh, the monkey's paw. So this is a essentially a cantrip that can counter a a witch who's like trying to misfortune you. And Misfortune was a hex that I used to like to cast in first edition constantly. So I do like that, the wash your luck. You're like, okay, I have this, fortune of, uh, this misfortune effect on me. I don't want it anymore. I'm going to wash my luck. You know, magically restore my luck. That's cool to me. I like it.
3: I, I like it too, but the name of it sounds like when you get two different uh, idioms mixed up.
1: Oh, what do you mean?
3: A malaphor? Is that, that's the word for it?
1: Uh, I,
2: yes. So, like, sure, so what? I'm not sure if it's specific. Well, it's usually for metaphor. So it's, it's like the opposite of, a, it's when you get two metaphors, like, mixed up. So yeah. almost the same thing as idioms, right? So, like, uh, a malaphore is when people say, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. That's, yeah, that's what it sounds like
1: to me. I learned something new today.
0: And now you know.
1: Uh, anyway. So let's talk about two of the dumbest cantrips I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Yes. Approximate. This is a freaking cantrip. Approximate. Your magic quickly flows over an area, and you can count and catalog Name a particular type of object that you're looking for, and you instantly estimate, not know, you (laughs) estimate the quantity of the chosen objects. You look at a jar and you can guess how many uh, beans are in it.
2: Oh, about. So many fairs. A great party trick.
3: But, but you have. But why? It's not exact. But why? but why magic? Is- <laughs> is that coming? Right?
2: Sorry, David. Are you suggesting that people use math?
3: Yes. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the only way that I understand this really making sense is uh, this is for the sorcerer who can't count.
1: I'm not going to touch that, but uh, I really love the example that they have in here. You look at a pile of 180 coins. You know there are about 200 coins. Bitch, this is... <laughs> Pardon my language. Just tell me there's 180 coins. Yeah. Why don't you have to say, there's about 200 coins. You get to guess.
2: I have a question, and I assume... I assume that this is up to, to each GM's preference. But, like... what's What's the level of accuracy there, right? Because, like, if it's like, hey, if there's between 100 and 200 items, you have to round to the closest 100. If there's 156 items and you tell me that there's 200 items, I'm going to be mad. (laughs) Because, like, you know, what are the sig figs on that? What's, What's the order of magnitude... Before you're like, I don't know, I rounded the closest thousand, and you're like, there were 501 items, like, (laughs) why would you do that? Felt like it.
3: Yes, you are. I mean, you're not wrong, but also, you're wrong.
1: (laughs) I I dislike that spell. The first time somebody uses that in my game, I'm going to be like, why? I I want to know where this is going to be useful. Like legitimately,
3: I'm, I'm just other thinking, than the
1: county fair.
3: I'm just thinking, in game, you're a divine caster. You you wake up in the morning, you pray to your deity for your spells for the day, and you pray for approximate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hang yeah. on, hang on, because I feel like narratively there's a fun thing that you can do here, right? Where You pray to your deity, and your deity has become so annoyed with you that they're like, I don't know, you know almost how many things there are. (laughs) Right? Like, your deity is just so annoyed with you that they're like, I'll give you spells that are almost useful. Because that's what you are. You're almost useful. So much like uh, the cat in the Adventure Time episode, you have approximate knowledge of many things. I think that would be, like, a fun way to play it. But as a player, if that's not thematically what's up with your character, why would you do that?
1: I just don't know why anyone would use this in a game. I really... I cannot... Other than that, like, one scene from where you're, like, level one, and that's it. Like, it'll come up once. And you know that person's going to take Approximate every day since.
2: I feel like this is one of those things where, like, you do something really dumb, and for some reason your class changes or something, and your DM punishes you by being like, Alright, well, this witch cursed you, and the only spell that you can cast is Approximate. Have fun, buddy!
0: (laughs) You know what? That is actually a really great punishment. Instead of a useful cantrip, you now get this. That's what you get for being dumb.
2: (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Can we homebrew it? So if you cast Approximate at higher levels, it gives you greater accuracy. But in order to know the exact number of something, you have to cast it as like a 10th level spell. (laughs) Yes. Because I think that would be such a slap in the face like hey you could only cast approximate for the rest of the campaign unless you kill off your character or like something but like your reward is that finally when you get to level 20 you can know exactly how many things there are
1: are in a one cubic foot space because that's another limitation of this
3: and it has a ten-minute casting time. <laughs> you could just count it, <laughs> but no one cubic <laughs> space.
1: Yeah, it's one one cubic foot. That's the area of effect. There's a it's range so of ten useless. feet. This is literally. This is literally. Guess how many beans are in the jar? Mm-hmm. And then you write down your number on a sheet, and you win the county fair.
2: Is this for interacting with the Fey, where they're like, "Listen, I'll tell you my name if you can guess how many blades of grass there are in this one cubic piece <laughs> in this one of cubic grass. foot
0: Could it be used to like guess how many pieces of gold are in somebody's pouch for a rogue?: Yeah, yeah. okay, there's maybe one but you have to be able to see it: thing. I think. You have to be able to see the gold in there? At that point you've already yeah, got you the can. bag and you're already being caught
2: by the guards. Right. What's the point of this stupid spell? Well, I was I was gonna say, is that gonna stop the rogue from stealing <laughs> no, it? Like not.
1: it it literally says they have the objects have to be clearly visible. Ach. So what God. that tells me is <laughs> you gotta shake that jar of beans all around so you see all the beans. Telling you. Guys. And then all the other fairgoers fair
2: fair. are going to get annoyed with you for shaking the beans, yep. you know?
1: Don't look at yeah. the
3: bottom of the jar. That's where they wrote the number of how many beans oh, are in
1: there. Oh, oh God, you've <laughs> ruined it. David, did you and I go to the same county fair?
3: <laughs> that's how every county fair yeah. slash second grade teacher has done it ever. Don't pick up the jar and look at the bottom.
1: Right, that's where I wrote the number on. Yeah, no, love it. Absolutely love it. All right, anyway, that is officially the worst spell. However, I do have a runner-up for second worst spell. And maybe this is just me, so if you guys actually like this, please let me know. Bullhorn. (laughs) You amplify your voice loud enough for you to be easily heard at a great distance. You can be heard loudly and clearly to all listeners within 500 feet. I love it. That's
2: it. This is like thaumaturgy, but worse, because there's only one out of the seven functions Mm -hmm. that you can do with thaumaturgy. Also, this is just, like, the best way to be annoying.
0: This is the best way to pull attention to yourself away from your party, perhaps.
2: But beyond that... Yeah, you are only being a a decoy. Uh Uh-huh. And bait. For the rest of your entire life, if you take that.
3: Oh no, I'm wandering into the forest alone and unarmed. And look <laughs> at all of these, these gold coins I'm carrying.
1: It's about 200! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> you, you know what kills me the most about this one, I think? Is the fact that you can heighten this. To seventh level. You can send <laughs> a seventh level spell to be able to have a bullhorn that goes a mile uh, that can talk a mile away. A seventh level spell mean, well, for a well, mile.
3: It's or, still it's still a cantrip though.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's but it's a seventh level cantrip. Yeah,
3: yeah. You gotta wait till level fift, 13 15?
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. To be able to yell really loud.
4: I this kills it. me. No. It's
1: not the worst. I'm I'm sorry, but approximate is literally the worst spell I've ever read. It's the worst.
4: So,
0: bullhorn does it just like actually just increase the volume of your voice or is it maybe make the the voice just travel really far? Same. Volume. No,
1: it increases It creases the volume.
0: Okay. Okay, well then
1: then you should deafen anyone within a certain
2: range of you. Because you would have shattered their eardrums.
1: Uh, yeah, no. Although it does make it easier to coerce others. And the uh, acoustics, I can't talk. This can help you perform at a large venue. So like you can be a rock star, but you can't... like you can't use this for other area of effect spells or anything. It doesn't freaking stack. It does last for 10 minutes, though. I do love at the very end, it's like, you can dismiss this spell. <laughs> Thanks.
2: Thank you. <laughs> no, you have to use it for the whole ten. Once again, an effective way to curse your players as a DM. Right. You can only use this spell, and you cannot dismiss it.
1: Yep. Yeah. That. I have, I'm that's sorry. Just...
3: I have trouble controlling the volume of my voice. Yes. Same.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like, I I really want to know the person that's using their seventh level spell on this. Like, why? Like, yeah, it's a cantrip, but still, like, why? Don't do that. (laughs) I will say it would have come in handy a couple of times for my circus campaign. Extinction Curse. But, like, I also feel like a circus is a very specific place.
2: Yeah, that's what, one one AP out of
1: ten? A lot. More than that. (laughs) If we're talking about Pathfinder 1 and 2. Yeah, oh, I was just yeah. talking about
2: yeah.
1: two, but oh, um, not quite ten. I don't even know. That shows you how much I'm. I can math, but yeah, like no, That's it's okay. just That's okay. it's, it's just kind of a funny spell, and then yeah, approximate just takes the cake for me. I really, really want to know why you can't have like within ten or like. Why does it have to be approximate? If it's a freaking spell, you should be able to... Okay, anyway.
2: We gotta move on.
1: We do. I have literally talked about one cantrip for, like, 15 minutes.
2: (laughs) It is a very upsetting
1: cantrip. (laughs) Uh, Anything else on any cantrips? So, let's talk about uh, regular spells. So, I did kind of want to follow up that, like, some Magus and Summoner-specific spells we're going to talk about when we talk about that class. And there are so many spells in this book, we cannot touch on them all. But, yeah, I wanted to mention... Painful Vibrations is one of the spells. Uh, Let me find it really quick. Because it is a fourth level spell. And it says you send powerful sound waves through an opponent's body vibrating its bones and internal organs. Pleasant. They take eight d six sonic damage and must make a fortitude save, so they're they're gonna take that damage, and then the fortitude save is okay what else what else happens now, if they succeed, they do take half damage, so it's kind of like a basic save, but when they take full damage so at a failure, they're also sickened and deafened. And if they crit fail, they take double damage, are sick in two, and deafened for a minute.
2: That seems awfully intense for a fourth level spell.
1: A fourth level spell. Like, it may be my new favorite spell.
3: I,
4: I, I think and every time
1: is... I say it, I sing good vibrations. Do, 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 do. <laughs>
3: I think this is just the stuff that should have accompanied uh, Ballhorn.
2: Yeah. If you
3: cast yes. Ballhorn, you also unfortunately cast Painful Vibrations.
1: That's what happens when you heighten it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's really great. Actually, so this one has a heighten effect where every plus one to heighten, it, it increases by 2d6. Oh my gosh. Right? Fourth level, it's, yes. This freaking spell, dude, is so good. This is has a range of hundred, a hundred feet. It's very good. Yeah, broken. I, I, I'm, a fan, I'm a big fan of painful vibrations.
2: I, I'm not going to touch that one, Beth.
1: Yep. Nope. That's fair. Uh,
3: I want. I want to nominate coolest spell name. Horizon Thunder Sphere? Oh hell hmm. yes. It it's just a first level spell. Target one creature and hit him with a ball of electricity. But
1: you know, standard stuff.
3: But Ori- like the name, Horizon Thunder Sphere. Yeah. That sounds like a 10th level spell.
2: It does. That
0: name is fantastic. It's like I mean, a
2: he. It's like a He-Man character.
1: Yes. <laughs> I mean, in he,
3: fairness. You can heighten I mean, it.
1: Yeah, that's that's a pretty good name. I feel like it's a bit wasted. Mm-hmm. But just personal opinion. New favorite spell. Organ site.
3: Uh huh. I saw that one.
2: Sorry, what was that?
1: Organ sight. Beth, I
2: feel like you have an unhealthy obsession with people's internal organs right now.
1: Yes, internal. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: Sorry, are we talking about being able to see any like musical organ within a certain range, no. or no, no. almost is is just slightly more useful than approximate?
1: I mean... <laughs> yeah, kind of. It says, targets one living or undead creature that has organs. So skeleton doesn't have organs, so does not useful? Right. It's a level three spell. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh. weird.
3: You see what? the target weird. as though it's dissected and arrayed before you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a creepy spell.
3: So, so you'll be able to see their larynx. So you can you can see that musical organ. But I'm checking.
2: Hey. <laughs> Sorry, but you can just see them. That's that's like the sum total of just you like a, you you yourself.
3: You get a plus two circumstance and medicine checks that depend on you knowing where an organ is.
2: I was gonna say you get a plus two to kidney punch, but. <laughs> <laughs> Why
3: is the spell?
1: Why is the spell is my exact yeah, no no no. It's look, when you have when you have an entire chapter of like 50 pages, I think it's even more than that, right? Of like spells.
2: They can't all be winners.
1: <laughs> they can't all be winners sometimes you have to have approximate an organ sight.
2: I feel like sometimes those are thrown in there just so that we appreciate the other spells more. You know, like right. you, you can't really know the true joys of life without it also experiencing the true lows of life.
0: I mean, is there some kind of spell later on that builds on top of you somehow being able to see organs? constantly (laughs) is is there some sort of necromantic
4: nothing i know
0: that just like oh hey by the way can you already see somebody's organs bingo now you get to animate those organs why why is this a thing why i don't paizo why
1: I mean, look, okay, come on, I am picking some really terrible ones, just you
0: are because
1: like i am I'm picking these because they're fun, right? like there's some great ones just like
0: in the first place
1: <laughs> fair, fair, uh, there's things like uh angel form where you literally turn into an angel, like well, what and- if you're
2: already an angel?
3: If you're already an angel, they have devil form and daemon form to go along with that.
2: Oh, okay. I'm in. That's pretty cool.
3: I was going to say, they have Petal Storm, which is literally a move that Bulbasaur learns in Pokemon, and it does the same thing.
2: Amazing.
3: You you just violently thrash your enemies with a bunch of flower petals.
1: So, what you are telling me is, you can have your familiar cast petal storm.
3: Yes, your um, your frog turtle p- plant familiar Bulbasaur. Your Leshy. Yeah, gotta cast them all.
1: Well, and then you can cast burning uh, blossoms.
3: Setting <laughs> your plant familiar on fire. I, I, I like. <laughs> Why? I liked one of those words. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh jeez.
3: Uh-oh. I don't I don't think a, I don't think that um when you combine the fire tag and the plant tag, you ever end up with anything good.
0: I mean terrifying. Mm. You end up with intimidation, I guess.
1: It is an arcane and primal spell pretty great uh i i like the spell that's created for gms did you guys see that breadcrumbs <laughs> yeah there's a lot of, there's some a lot of summoning spells there's a lot of good stuff but of course we have to talk about kind of the ridiculous funny stuff
3: uh, i i, I did post. see it i did see another uh ridiculous why would you use this cantrip Read the air.
1: Oh, I missed that one.
3: You take a deep breath... How
1: could I have?
3: You take a deep breath and survey a social situation.
1: You sniff your friends?!
3: As as a part of casting the spell, you recall knowledge using society. Wait. You already casted a spell... Where in order
2: to recall knowledge,
3: using society, using
2: society, efficiency,
3: and I mean, you, you can you can make all the jokes you want about like wizards spending too much time in their spell books, so they they're socially inept, and that's what they're going to use. It's not on the arcane spell list. It's divine and occult.
1: What I don't like that. What? I don't like that at all.
2: Mom, come pick me up. I'm scared.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, no, that spell is uh you know, I just think in my version of Galarian that maybe doesn't exist. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. There's some There's some good ones. We're definitely gonna talk about all the summoning spells when we talk about the summoner. Mm -hmm. Obviously. But there's there's just a lot of really good stuff. Uh Web of Eyes.
4: Mm-hmm. That one's great.
1: Uh that one that one's actually really cool cuz like you you cast that on a bunch of people and then you can all like essentially share what you see. It's pretty cool. That is cool. It's like a video call. <laughs> no. Much more useful than a video right. call, or at least in my experience. Ah. Uh, <laughs> fair. Uh, also, I would like to say page 141 the artwork has creepy child vibes.
0: I have not seen it. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. I would usually talk about that uh, with you. I just can't.
1: It's, there's some really good, especially in the spells section, there's just some really good stuff. Uh, in terms of art. Well, I mean, there's just a lot of good stuff in the spells section.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I also want to call out the uh, sidebars again. Like, there's some that are, like, story-based. Uh, So, like, there's little, like, snippets. Snippets?
2: Is that a word? <laughs> I, think I, like it.
1: I think I meant snippets.
2: I think you also meant that.
1: Uh, of like handwritten notes that, f- of course, I can't read, uh, but they look cool. Uh, it, it, there's like things about certain spells. On page one thirty one, there's actually something about the outer sphere. So you know, if w- when you when we release our planes episode, you guys will get to learn all about that. Yeah, there's just a lot of really cool stuff that we need, that we needed, right? We're finally at a place, I feel like, where we're getting a lot of customization options. So, of course, I am always down for that. So, those are all the regular spells. We still have two spell types to talk about. Not enough spells. And we have so much more to go over. Okay, we we, we probably need to go some lightning round... Uh, Because we are running out of time. I just realized what time it was and how long I talked about approximate.
3: (laughs) How long? Some things
2: deserve to be hated.
3: (laughs) Let's be honest. How long we talked about approximate. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Fair, fair. So we can skip over focus spells. Because the only focus spells that were included in the book were for Magus and Summoner. So no new focus spells for anybody else. Mm Uh but then Ooh. they talk about rituals. And if you listen to our last episode, which was about rituals, you uh now know my new obsession. And the artwork for rituals, by the way, is really good because it has a packed demon on it. It's just it's some great artwork. And you
2: you also know my new obsession, which is ruining whatever Beth's favorite ritual is by bringing up all of the ways that it could go horribly, horribly wrong.
1: Yeah, fair. hmm Very, very fair. There's some really great rituals. Uh, I think the only one that I kind of want to talk about, unless, David, were there any you wanted to talk about?
3: Uh, did you want to talk about Bathe in Blood, or is that is, is that not the uh, one you want to talk about?
1: No, I was I was going to talk uh, about a uh, Garden of Death. So you go ahead and talk about Bathe in blood.
3: All I was going to say is that you know my my new thing is huh ritual let's let's look at the crit failure effect. Crit failure effect is you die. Ooh.
2: So, careful. Is it is it because you drown in all the blood that you were supposed to be bathing in?
1: You drain yourself of blood instead.
2: You
3: see, this is why you need to read all of the ritual first before you try to cast it.
2: Whoopsie, this was supposed to be on the inside, not the outside. It does have, like,
3: um, a sp- specific amounts of blood that you need based on what size of a creature you are. And, you know, it's like, if, if you're a medium creature, you require 30 gallons of blood to immerse yourself. Okay. And a typical medium so creature... Much only holds about one and a half gallons, so you gotta make sure you collect enough. Logistics.
2: Uh, Sorry, does the blood need to be... I have a lot of questions, so if we need to wrap this up, don't don't let me derail us. But does the blood need to be fresh? Can you, like, cast a spell Mm -hmm. so you could just, like, do an IV situation where you just, like, every couple of months you, like, get blood from some people and you keep it in a blood bank... And then no, there's the whole blood thing. Blood must
1: blood must be have been spilled within the last six hours.
3: Huh. Yeah, easy enough.
1: Uh, you can use spells such as gentle repose to extend the time, uh, but it actually gives you negatives to your check, so you don't really want to do that.
2: Right. Uh, Follow up question: How many gallons of blood does a cow have? How many cows would I need? Nope.
1: Gotta be human blood or humanoid blood. Mm-hmm.
2: Trying to think of the humanoid
1: blood must come okay blood must come from the same ancestry as your own. Actually, oh. so you can't even just kill a bunch of humans unless you're also human. So, if, like, Damn. you're a half elf. You got to find a bunch of half elves. So the only way your cow theory is going to work is if there's a cow trying to cast this ritual. I, <laughs> a level eight. Listen,
2: ritual. let's not limit what cows <laughs> can do. Fair. Mm-hmm. I was gonna argue, if you're a half-elf, you wouldn't have to find a bunch of other half-elves. You could use either elves or humans or half-elves, but that's what true. do I know?
1: That's that's fair. That's if you're Advantage. a human half-elf, but yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I, I forget now that half-elves are a little more complicated than that, so that's fair. Uh, so I really like Garden of Death. I'm only gonna just mention it as, like, just this idea of, like, a witch planting this garden and as, like, a murder garden. Absolutely (laughs) love it. I really want to see a cabal of leshies create a garden of death. That's what I want to see. So.
0: That's kind of
3: adorable now. I, I have to... We have to do this at some point. Ah, oh, they're murdering everyone.
1: <laughs> Aw, <laughs> look at so them go! go. Alright, moving on, because we still have three more chapters. Oh. Uh, Magic Items is the next really big chapter, and it's a little smaller than spells, uh, but dang does it make up for it being just really cool stuff. Uh, obviously, they're, you start off with just tables of new items, and I'm here for it. Uh, love a good table. Uh, they talk about a new item type called a Fulu. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up Fulus, one, so Fulus are like paper charms they use in uh, like Asian Pacific mythology. Uh, so these paper charms, I I really want to see. So the playtest just ended right for a Thaumaturge. I really want to see a Thaumaturge that specializes in these paper charms, these Fulus. And that is the most anime thing, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I just think that's the most anime thing I, I come up with today. Uh so yeah, big fan of the Fulus. Then we have a, a new section talking about grimoires and how you can create your own grimoire, which is really really cool. Uh, I had a, a witch who had to keep like multiple spell books because I'd run out of room and stuff. Uh, really awesome. She would have loved this because one, you can automatically have a hundred spells, right? There is a lot of specific ones. And where was it? I'm trying to find the one that was like, ah, yes, the Endless Grimoire. Uh, This grimoire has unlimited pages that seem eager to transcribe spells. And then there's a there's like a greater Endless, a major, a true. I would have loved this. Uh, So grimoires, they're all, like, the artwork for them even is really freaking cool. Uh, There's the storyteller's opus that gives you a reaction. Uh, Really, really awesome stuff. Then we have magical tattoos. Yes. Yes. I agree. However, Mm -hmm. I do have a problem with the tattoo artist feet. The tattoo artist feat says you can craft tattoos including magical tattoos. Period. So without this feat I can't craft tattoos? And it's a level 2 feat. I'm going to call shenanigans on that. Just just saying. They're all just
2: st- they're all just stickin pokes until level 2.
1: Gotcha. Okay. And then
2: and then they look sure. legit, you know? Yeah.
1: Fair enough, I guess.
2: You got to like no, practice.
1: I, I do like how it has a uh, a like a cultural tattoos section for different peoples. So like there's a couple of different uh there's like a monk group, there's a, a regional group. Of course there's Thessalonians which have the runic tattoos. They have, like, a seafarers section, and then they have an orcs, which uh, talk about, like, their extremely painful tattooing process, which is uh, really interesting. So, yeah, really good stuff. Uh, then they have personal staves. So, essentially, how you can create your own staff. So like, you have a staff of nature's cunning. You have you know, these different uh, staffs that do different things uh, that have different spells on them. Well, this gives you all of the rules you need to create your own. Hmm. Neat. Yeah. I like that. It even has a section on uh, naming it. Yeah, naming the staff. When your staff is complete, give it a name. Though skeptics might sneer, spellcasters believe that naming a staff upon creation will help it attune to its new master. So you have to name it. Greg. Ex- <laughs> I mean, sure. Uh, the example in the book is Linny's leaf stick. So the, the Druid iconic has a leaf stick. Which is great. Uh, but it could be Sarah's... No. I think it's just Greg. Just
2: Greg.
0: I think yeah, it's Greg, just Greg casts Approximate.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez.
0: I
4: just
3: feel like the right Thanks, spell. Thanks, Greg. Greg.
4: It's <laughs> the only thing that
3: Greg does. God, dang it, Greg. Hey, hey, Greg, how many staves am I holding? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ten.
3: About, zero, about,
1: Greg. zero About
3: five. You're holding about, about five. Five.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. This is this is going to be an end joke that literally never ends. Uh so then we have a spell catalyst. So these are really really cool added like flair. And I especially want to see how the spell catalysts Uh, interact with the new thaumaturge, right, which is kind of like an item class. Not quite, but, you know, kind of. Uh, So these are uh, consumable materials that kind of alter a spell or magnify a spell. So these are, you know, spell components that can alter the effects. So, you know, there's... uh, in, noxious incense, their shimmering dust, what was it, waterproof wax, which will allow you to waterproof your uh, ingredients, so when a spell is cast in the area while using this catalyst, the conjured, uh, the conjured grease or whatever you're conjuring fills three five-foot squares instead of the normal area. So that's cool. Hmm. Then we have spell hearts. So, spell hearts are reusable talismans. So, they've got the same kind of construction as a talisman, but their construction is more complex and they can be used repeatedly uh, while affixed to an item. So, there's some really cool, some really cool uh, reusable items there. And then we just go into one-use items. We've got new potions, a ton of new potions, uh, some new talismans, some new transmutation items. Just a ton, a ton of items. One of my favorites... On page 183 is the Deck of Illusions. Each card depicts a different monster or creature, uh, which immediately appears uh, as a life-size illusion. So if you go to page uh, 178, there's actually a full-page picture of this happening. So, the witch iconic summons a fairy creature, and this fairy, uh, they've tricked a cobalt with it. It's just cool.
2: I just, sorry, once again, we're like back with the Yu Gi Oh references.
1: Yeah, that is true. Uh, I think somebody in the writer's room has a Yu Gi Oh love.
2: Blessed. Probably.
1: I'd be surprised
2: if it's only one person.
1: (laughs) Fair. That's, yeah, that's actually fair. Uh, I just love the idea of, like, so many different and unique items being found along your path, right? Like, going and vanquishing a, uh, like, evil king and then finding the Staff of the Desert Winds... You know that is just like so thematically cool. I love, yeah. I love stuff like this.
3: I, I I like this one, the shortbread spy.
1: What is that?
3: Though this item looks like a simple cookie in the shape of a humanoid, it springs to life once decorated with icing or other edible substances.
1: It's a gingerbread man.
2: Yeah, yeah, you make. Oh, it look- I was. I was legitimately going to say elf on the shelf, but you know, <laughs> gingerbread man is probably more accurate.
3: It 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 can do that too. As long as you decorate it with eyes, it gains normal vision. <laughs> I, I have
4: questions.
3: So yeah, you 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 could you could just create a a cursed shortbread that has no eyes and no mouth. Okay. And it no. <laughs> it wants to scream, yet it cannot.
2: No. <laughs> I have a follow-up question, and it's, what if I put more than two eyes on my gingerbread person? Do they get, like, dim light vision and then dark vision, depending on how many eyes I give them? Can I make my... Can- is it limited to a humanoid figure? Can I make a gingerbread spider? I, li- I have a lot of questions.
3: Uh, I have an answer to one of those questions. Any creature that eats the cookie, once it returns, can then see what the spy saw. So it's, it's really a one-time use item.
1: Oh my gosh, I love that so much.
3: You have to eat, you have to eat the cookie to know. You give it life, and then
0: you eat. And
1: then it. you eat it.
0: Yeah, cruelly take oh, it away. Oh. That is so fantastic. Love this. But at the
3: same time, oh my god! <laughs>
1: this is some good witch stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: It's like you want to you you want to decorate that cookie like well enough that it can actually do its job, but not so well that you're like, oh, this is too cute to eat. Also, I'd a say fine line. more than two eyes, maybe
0: it's getting true sight instead of dark vision.
2: Ooh. See,
0: invisible thing.
2: see. It's the see? other dimensions. Uh-huh. Uh, there are a lot of questions here. What if I bake it using holy water? Will that give it All true right. sight?
1: <laughs> we're, we're moving on from here. Uh, next up is chapter five, and it is called The Book of Unlimited Magic. Uh, and I'm just going to say that that is just the best name ever. This uh, is chapter five.
3: The book within a book.
1: Yes, yes. the book. Oh, yeah. Oh, let's, this whole thing is a book within a book. So, Book of Unlimited Magic seems to be kind of a chapter where they fit everything that wouldn't quite fit in the rest of the book. It's kind of a catch-all chapter. Uh, which doesn't isn't a criticism? Like, don't take that a uh bad way because there's some good stuff in here. Um, so a couple of standouts for me were the emotional states, uh, especially when talking about the psychic, which mm-hmm. we just, you know, play test. Like, that really sounds uh just like the psychic stuff that came out. Uh, and then there was uh some alternative rules. Uh let me find it real quick. There was something for flexible preparation of spells. Uh, I'm looking for it right now. Uh all oh yeah I I forgot. There's also the elementalist class archetype. Uh there's mm-hmm. quite a quite a few archetypes. Um so there's the flexible preparation uh, which then leads into the class archetype that you can take. So essentially, you're a prepared caster with some spontaneous spell casting, which is really interesting. <laughs> Whizlock. <laughs> There's rules for ley lines. And how to do that in your game. Uh, And doing, like, ley line nodes and stuff. And then uh, you can be a literal rune lord. That was the other thing that I wanted to... Yeah, that I wanted to talk about. Just some... Just a lot of really cool archetypes that I just wish we had time to go into, like, literally everything. I think... One day we'll start talking about some more uh, archetype stuff. Maybe do deep dives on those uh, while we're waiting for more classes. Because then we could talk about the Soul Forger. Yeah. It's pretty great.
2: I a quick question. Is that straight out of Castlevania?
1: The Soul Forger?
2: Yeah.
1: I'm just thinking
2: about this—the Forge Masters. Yeah, that's what it was called. Forge. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of the correct name.
1: <laughs> your devotion to a cause unifies your soul with an armament tethered to the very essence of your spirit. Maybe
2: is that an art? Not quite. No.
3: Uh,
1: yeah. The fact that I can be a freaking Rune Lord, though—like, just gonna, just gonna say that's amazing. Um, there cool. is some stuff about true names as well. Yeah, there's just so much stuff, guys. Like honestly, there's so many little tidbits. And uh, the last technical chapter is the glossary, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go over that. So yeah, I guess now is the time to talk about our overall impressions. I mean, it's a really good book.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I think they did really well on this one.
1: So I guess starting there in that it's a really good book, I do have a couple of criticisms that I want to go over, right? So I already mentioned some of the sections are hard to read due to the handwritten nature. I also feel like there's a lot going on. Like some of the pages just feels overwhelming right cuz you ha- every single page in this book has this border that's just crazy like all around it it has up in the very corner the circle that has the cover of the book there's art throughout the pages itself there's just swirls and swooshes and colors everywhere
2: it's very busy and-
1: It is very busy. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I also want to mention that the printed copy of this book I found to be much darker. So the colors in the PDF are much more saturated. Now, that could be my monitor. Of course, there's a lot that goes into that. But I just found some of the art in the physical book to be too dark to get all of the detail. And the best example. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. So the best example that I have of that is page 32. So there's like this fight scene, right, with uh, the two new iconics. And it's just too dark, Mm. in my opinion, to really see some of the details of what is fantastic art. Uh, Because other than that, like page 192... Let me flip to that really quick. Is my new screensaver on my phone.
4: Because
1: it's so freaking good. So it's the wizard iconic, right? And it's this really cool perception shot of where it's like his body is kind of facing forward, but his head is twisted back and he's casting a spell that looks to be like a red dragon or something or a lava dragon. It's a really, really cool picture. In the book, it's a little dark, obviously, um, but it's just so good. And, like, the unique positioning of it is fantastic. So, like, the art design, as always, is just phenomenal. So, even with all, all of those criticisms, I really, really like this book. I also think it's one of your new favorites, David.
3: Yeah, the, yeah this, this might be just, like, my my favorite book. Uh, they, they they teased quite a bit with gods and magic, and then, in my opinion, didn't deliver on the magic. Mm-hmm. And this this time, they definitely did.
1: I mean, there was nothing else to follow up. I mean, the only other thing they got is secrets. What are they going to do with that? <laughs> Maybe that's what they should have done more in this book, is secrets.
2: Secrets. Got the
3: secrets. Wait, these are just blank pages.
2: What? I, I believe when we were talking about Secrets of Magic the first time, I said that I really wanted it to be there to, there to just be a whole chapter of secrets of, like, normal people. <laughs> like, you know.
1: Yeah, actually, that'd be really cool. As, like, a I, reference.
2: No, I think that would be super funny. Sometimes,
3: Frida eats the blackberries off of your blackberry bush the- yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Oh Secrets. my gosh. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I really do like the sidebars in this book. Uh, I really think like they did a really good job of including just random information. Uh, as well as like giving you a glimpse into the world right like world building part of the reason why anybody plays pathfinder is the setting right the setting is just so freaking cool so i really uh, unless you guys have uh anything else you want to add i kind of want to end with these prayers that are in one of the sidebars
2: uh okay well just just quickly since I said I'd mention it again once again shout out Paizo for making all of this art for the bisexuals pansexual community uh we do appreciate your pandering we have noted it we do appreciate it uh thank you for the thighs
1: <laughs> yes so this is on page uh, anybody else sorry I should have said that all right. This is on page 83. There is this really lovely poem. It's hymn to the eternal rose. Oh, Shailen, grace me now with all your arts, that I may bring your blessings each to each. Expose the beauty deep within our hearts and show that love is never out of reach. And that continues on, right? And then right below that, is Rova Gug's call. <laughs> and this is just so good. It says, rough beast, come. Devour all in your titanic maw. I am your claw. Feed me with your rage. The desire to destroy. I am free. And you are caged, but not for long. Grant my prayers
2: with blood. So basically the same vibe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, sure. Anyway, uh, 9 out of 10 Beth points.
2: <laughs> That's I very high. Point. That's a high Beth score.
1: Yeah, not going to lie, especially when I can't read like certain <laughs> sections of it. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go with 9 out of 10 uh, Beth points.
4: Pretty high.
1: All right, Chad, take us out.
0: Well, folks, you heard our thoughts about this book. Uh, why don't you tell us yours? Do you have a favorite spell that we didn't mention? Maybe a special item? Were you able to read the handwritten pieces? Please translate! Also, for goodness sakes, please tell us your thousand and one uses for approximate. But until next time, remember dice don't die,
1: but player characters do!
0: Thanks for listening to Dice Don’t Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don’t Die or email us at Dicedon’tdiepod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work and the work of many others can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.